Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. First Baptist Church of Hammond and Hiles Anderson College have teamed up with known pedophile and rapist David Hiles in an effort to dismiss the motion filed by Joy Ryder back in February. I covered this on the podcast. Visit PreacherBoysDoc.com. That's PreacherBoysDoc.com. And click the link that says Ryder B. Hiles. I cover her lawsuit against the college, the, uh, the church, and against David Hiles and go through that in detail. But I'm going to just go over a couple key points in the uh, motion to dismiss that was placed by David Hiles and the college. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. All right, here we go. So the first thing right on the beginning of the page is David Hiles, Hiles Anderson College, and First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana are labeled as the defendants. They've decided to come together to battle this lawsuit uh, as a group, which is interesting because David Hiles, up to this point, has been pretty uh, openly and publicly separated from the college um, due to all the other scandals that he's been involved with. Over the last few years, Hiles has been a source of scandal and controversy for fundamentalist believers. Hiles has one son, David, who had his own ministry until he was run out of two churches due to scandals involving wives in his congregations. Now, I just want to go over a couple quick points. I'm not going to read through the entire document, uh, but here's the, the basic opening argument. So Plaintiff Joy Ryder improperly attempts to bring a claim for violations of the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, RICO, prevents allegedly occurring at least 42 years ago. Now, here's a really interesting initial portion. Now, one... Um, Joy did go after uh, Hiles Anderson College and um, David Hiles under a RICO lawsuit. Now, this is essentially saying they're a corrupt organization that facilitated illegal activity. And uh, she cites, you know, payoffs being made to family members. She talks about staff knowing uh, and choosing not to act on it. She talks about reporting it to the um, to David Hiles' father. And um, just, it, it really covers the fact that First Baptist Church of Hammond is a corrupt organization that helps protect abusers and not the abused. Um, so that's one section. But here's what I want you to notice too. 
The initial response is not that it's a blatant lie that David Hiles participated in these activities. The first thing that they attack is this happened at least 42 years ago. They're going after this from a time thing. And this happens throughout the document several times. It says here, the plaintiff's claims were time barred decades ago. Again, that's their next defense. Uh, the plaintiff lacks standing to bring a claim under RICO. So they start going after jurisdiction, they start going after some key points. Again, they're not denying that David Hiles did this, they're saying that your time is up. And again, they hit it again here, 1980. Uh, they say that her father purportedly confronted both the defendant David Hiles and others in positions of authority at both the First Baptist Church of Hammond and Hiles Anderson College. And then it says defendant David Hiles joins the motion to dismiss of defendants Hiles Anderson College and First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Interesting partnership. So there's two fundamental issues that they say they have. The first issue is that the plaintiff does not have a standing to make a civil RICO claim in absence of injury to a covered business or property interest. The second is that a civil RICO claim must be brought within four years of discovery of an injury. So again, you're out of time. That's what the, the argument is over and over and over again. Uh, they attack the fact that uh, Joyce compares the um, college to a Catholic organization where there is a bishop and there is a diocese and things like that. Um, they, they argue with that. So it says the plaintiff also alleges based on its status, a position analogous to a bishop over a particular diocese as a church organized and identified as the Independent Fundamental Baptist or IFB, defendants were in a unique position to conceal the rape, sexual assault, and sexual abuse committed by the Hiles employees. Apart from defendant David Hiles, the plaintiff does not allege that anyone else associated with the defendants allegedly sexually assaulted her at any time. The plaintiff does not allege who is the bishop and what is the diocese in her analogy as a position of defendant David Hiles, the church and the college. Um, the plaintiff does not allege that Baptist churches have bishops or dioceses. Now, again, so we went from out of time, don't have the standing, to now, the IFB is not connected. There's no connection between these churches. There's no, you know, it's the IFB. We act independently. They're denying the structure and the organization of the environment that she was in. Uh, they go after several of her claims for uh, the RICO side, digging into every you know, loophole and every, every phrasing here. You can read it all on the website. I won't read through all of it because it's just a lot of legal code. So I don't want to go over all of that on the podcast. Um, and then the plaintiff cites a statute of limitations provision, which applies to criminal prosecutions and could not apply to David Hiles. In the FAC, after asserting numerous alleged violations by defendant Hiles of federal criminal statutes based upon the special maritime and territorial jurisdiction of the United States, the plaintiff cites the provisions of 18 U.S.C. 3283, which provides no statute of limitations that would otherwise preclude prosecution for an offense involving the sexual or physical abuse of a child under 18 years of age, shall preclude such prosecution during the life of the child. Okay, so no statute of limitations that would otherwise preclude prosecution for an offense involving the sexual or physical abuse of a child under 18 years shall preclude such prosecution during the life of the child. The first point as to that paragraph of the FAC is that provisions of 18 U.S.C. 3283 relate to the criminal prosecutions and do not relate to the statute of limitations applicable to civil RICO proceedings. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court and Agency Holding Corp. versus Mally Duffin Associates explicitly rejected the five-year criminal statute of limitations for RICO criminal prosecutions as a basis for a statute of limitations. So again, really fighting hard for that statute of limitations. 
And again, if he's innocent, why would you attack this first? Uh, so we're going to go ahead and scroll down a little bit further. Okay, because of the allegation in the FAC is that the plaintiff and her father confronted the defendant, David Hiles, in 1980. The year the plaintiff graduated from high school, the plaintiff would have been 17 or 18 years of age. Therefore, when the plaintiff turned 25 in 1987 or 1988, the federal statute of limitations would have precluded a criminal prosecution for the section cited by the plaintiff. So again, too late. We're so sorry, too late. That's the response over and over and over again. Uh, the plaintiff refers to Jack Hiles, who is deceased as a defendant. The FAC refers to defendants J. Hiles and D. Hiles in paragraphs 112 and 113 of the FAC. The plaintiff states the racketeering activities of defendants First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana and Hiles Anderson College are distinct from those of defendants David Hiles and Jack Hiles inasmuch as Jack Hiles and David Hiles use their positions of influence in the church and college to persuade the Hiles employees to conceal, cover up, condone, and facilitate David Hiles' sexual abuse of the plaintiff. Plaintiff also alleges defendants Jack Hiles and David Hiles had interest and control over the enterprise and their interest and control was connected to the racketeering activity of the defendants. Paragraph 29 of the FAC, the plaintiff does refer to February 2001, death of Jack Hiles. Therefore, the plaintiff was and is aware that Jack Hiles passed away approximately 19 years prior to the filing of the FAC. The estate of Jack Hiles is not named as defendant in the FAC. As with other issues of the statute of limitations in this matter, the time for filing a claim against the estate of Jack Hiles has long passed. Under Indiana law, a claim against a descendant's estate must be filed within nine months of the death of the decedent. Indiana Code Title 29, Probate 29-177. Therefore, under Indiana law, the time for filing a claim against the estate of Jack Hiles passed approximately 18 years ago. Plaintiff has no standing to bring a RICO claim. Uh, for all the reasons set forth by the church and college, plaintiff writer lacks standing under RICO to assert a claim. Standing is a jurisdictional requirement for federal courts to consider any claim under RICO. The Seventh Circuit has stated that verifying its subject matter jurisdiction is a federal court's first duty in every case. The plaintiff's FAC should be dismissed for lack of federal jurisdiction under RICO. To state a claim under RICO, plaintiff writer must allege conduct of an enterprise through a pattern of racketeering activity. Uh, this is page 11 of 14 if you're reading along with me. The plaintiff alleges sexual misconduct by defendant David Hiles apparently ending in 1980. Plaintiff also alleges that defendant Hiles left the college and FBCH and was, quote, sent to Texas. The plaintiff does not allege any continuing pattern of violations after the termination of the alleged misconduct other than not disclosing or acting on the claims of the plaintiff. Now, again, isn't the school a mandated reporter? Isn't Jack Kyles a mandated reporter? Aren't the teachers a mandated reporter? Isn't her father a mandated reporter? So to say that um, the time is up because he was terminated and, there was, and that there was no systemic problem because he was terminated and moved to another church that was their way of dealing with the issue? If there was alleged misconduct, why was this not taken to the police? Instead, he was shipped off to Texas. Whether he shipped off or was allowed to leave, the college played a part in him being able to relocate. With some of the plaintiff's allegations can be seen in paragraph 79 of the FAC. Sexual abuse has been tolerated and ignored by the enterprise and its leadership for decades. Despite plaintiff's pleas, the enterprise refused to take action to correct the wrong that had occurred to her and continued to cover up the terrible acts committed against her. The plaintiff only alleges the obstruction of justice citations in paragraph 7 discussed above as predicate acts. 
Apparently, by not disclosing the plaintiff's alleged sexual misconduct allegations, the plaintiff is alleging that defendant David Hiles has committed obstruction of justice as defined. Now, again, any reading of what she wrote and what her team put together is very clear. The obstruction happened when it was reported to people within the college and nothing was done. Um, as set forth, the FAC does not identify what alleged bribes were paid to investigators or what alleged threats were made to court officials. Again, the bribes were not paid out to the court officials. They were paid to um, her father to keep quiet about this. And he was offered a position uh, in order to keep quiet about the situation. The plaintiff merely alleges the conclusion that the defendant, David Hiles, obstructed justice as defined in the citations discussed in paragraph 7. I'm curious. I'm not a lawyer, but I am curious if leaving an area where you committed a crime and it not being reported by an institution qualifies as obstruction of justice because it appears it would. But again, I'm curious what a, what a lawyer would say reading this or a judge would say reading this. While it's clear the scope of civil RICO extends, it says the Seventh Circuit warned, uh, while it's clear that the scope of civil RICO extends beyond the prototypical mobster or organized crime syndicate, it is equally evident that RICO has not federalized every state common law because of action. Uh, it, gives a, it gives an old case example there. The decades old, again, time, 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 the decades old allegation the plaintiff cannot serve as a basis for a RICO complaint because the FAC fails, one, to adequately allege obstruction of justice as predicate acts, two, uh, fails to define the RICO enterprise, and three, fails to allege a common purpose for the enterprise, and four, fails to allege pattern of racketeering. Plaintiff attempts to twist her claims against the defendant, David Hiles, and against the college and church made over the decades since 1980 into a RICO claim. She's failed to adequately plead for any of the requirements of the RICO. In conclusion, wherefore, defendant David Hiles respectfully prays for entry of an order, uh, one, dismissing the first amended complaint with prejudice, and two, entry judgment for defendant making a finding that there is not a just reason to delay enforcement or appeal or both. Respectfully submitted, David Hiles. So again, looking over the document, there's a couple things that are very clear. One, they're not going to try to fight that this is something that happened. Um, instead, what they're gonna go after is the amount of time that's passed. They're gonna try to discredit the standing that she has in order to make an allegation. And again, just like when David Hiles pled the fifth during the murder case involving a, a two-year-old child that he was left alone with, um, pleading the fifth or just trying to fight uh, using little loopholes like this are the things that make you look really guilty. And so I hope when you guys are looking at this case, I hope you'll read through the entire response. I hope you'll read through the original uh, entire lawsuit that was originally filed. I'll keep updating you guys, but I think the answers are very clear here, and I'm pretty sure that if this... I'm pretty sure that when this gets in front of a judge, it's going to be clear to him or her as well. So I'll keep you guys posted as more information is revealed. But for now, remember, you can just visit PreacherBoysDoc.com. Go to the tab that's marked Writer v. Hiles, and it'll give you all the information that you need in order to look into this further. All right, guys, I'll see you on the next episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.